Welcome to the FTN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. It was just one day where we were just having a good time, finishing homework. I was homeschooling them, and it suddenly there was a change in his mood, and he wasn't to be found anywhere in the apartment we were in. And I look out the window, and he's standing on the ledge ready to jump. And that was extremely shocking to me. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive podcast. If you were thinking, wait a second, that doesn't sound like health coach Ev, you'd be correct. My name is Fallon Morningstar, and I'm actually about to graduate the FDN course. I'm also health coach Ev's girlfriend, and he is currently missing in action as he is about to get his wisdom tooth removed. Ouch, not fun. In this interview, Evan is talking to Dr. Achina Stein. She is the author of What If It's Not Depression? Your Guide to Finding Answers and Solutions. She has a busy private practice called Functional Mind LLC in Riverside, Rhode Island, where she sees patients primarily for functional medicine, but also sees patients for psychotherapy. She is a board-certified psychiatrist and has been in practice for 25-plus years. Propelled by her son's health crisis in 2010, she found functional medicine, which resolved all of his health problems as well as her own. Since then, she has been practicing functional medicine. She is also a certified practitioner of the Institute of Functional Medicine, a distinguished fellow of the American Psychiatric Association, and was awarded the Exemplary Psychiatrist Award by NAMI Rhode Island in 2008. She has lived in Rhode Island since 2000 with her husband and has three adult children. This is an exciting time for her as she's recently launched her online health coaching program, What If It's Not Depression? Boot camp as a companion program to her book to provide an alternative to medication for people with chronic depression-like symptoms that don't respond to antidepressant medication. Evan Dr. Stein talk about her amazing family story of her own son's mental health issues and how it made her change the way she looked at psychiatry forever, which then eventually led to managing her own health differently. How cool is it that she was willing to keep an open mind even after years of being taught one thing? We need more Achinas in the world. Well, I think that's enough background for now. It's time to get into the interview. Hey, Achina, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we always start this podcast off in the same way. And this is actually, I think, a really fun one based off your bio, because typically we start with the individual's health issues. And it doesn't matter if they're a DO or MD or personal trainer or whatever. Everyone typically comes with their own health issues. And I know we'll probably have something to say for you yourself as well. But it seems that it was actually your son's health challenges that motivated you to kind of maybe do things a little differently. Now, one thing I want to be clear about before is you were already um, a doctor before your son had these health challenges. Is that correct? That's correct. I was a traditional psychiatrist. And uh, basically since uh, 1994. (laughs) And um, in 2010, Um, my son had a significant acute depression with suicidal ideations. Um, and it was something that occurred like overnight. It was pretty shocking to me because it was, it was, it seemed to be out of the blue. And, uh, you know, we actually happened to be in Europe at the time. My husband, uh, was on sabbatical and we took the kids out of school and we, brought them to tour India and where my family's originally from and then France where my husband was doing his sabbatical. And, you know, it was just one day where we were just having a good time finishing homework. I was homeschooling them and uh, it suddenly there was a change in his mood and he wasn't to be found anywhere in the apartment we were in. And I look out the window and he's standing on the ledge ready to jump. And that was extremely shocking to me. And we were on a fifth floor. So, um, you know, so long story short, he really, you know, obviously got him to a a psychiatrist as soon as we got home from back to the U.S. from from France. And um, 
had him see a psychiatrist and put him on four medications <laughs> for anxiety, depression, insomnia, and uh, even uh, attention issues. And, you know, he wasn't in danger anymore. He wasn't suicidal anymore. And his mood was a little bit better, but he just wasn't the same. And I took him to so many doctors because, you know, you kind of get faced with, you know, after being a doctor for so many years, a psychiatrist in particular, and here is my son having mental health issues. And I just wasn't willing to accept that this was it for him. And I took him to so many different doctors to try to get help and really didn't get anywhere with that. And I, again, like I said, I wasn't willing to accept that. And I just serendipitously found out about uh, functional medicine and um, took him to a functional medicine provider and got him well. And once you see what you see, once you learn what you learn and follow that, it's like, holy cow, you can't turn back. You just can't. Right. You just can't turn back. And so that provider, um, and I'll, I'll, I thank God, I actually was saying to someone today, like, thank God he, you know, I found him and he did this for my son. But it also opened my eyes to a new way of doing things. I wouldn't be where I am today if he didn't allow me to, to shadow him. You know, I asked him, like, I have to learn this. Can I, can I shadow you for a while, you know? And, um, and so I, you know, learned this stuff and realized that that was what I needed for my son. And so if that didn't happen, I don't know where I would be today. Um, yeah, his name was Ed Lavatan. Uh, he's an MD in Massachusetts and, uh, it was, and then I asked to join the practice and I left my job as a medical director of a community mental health center to become a functional medicine provider and learn from him and the practice that he had established at that time. That's amazing. I mean, I hear so many stories that are conceptually similar in terms of, you know, it's a parent dealing with a child with whatever health issue, mental or physical, right? And it makes sense that that would drive them to try different things and go down different paths they might not have before. But what's really unique about your story is you were a psychiatrist. I mean, what is that? Ex I don't mean to ask like a tough question, but I'm curious, like, what is that experience like being a psychiatrist and knowing that someone in your family is dealing with this? Is that like, how does that work? Do you take that on? Are you like, why can't I figure this out? Or is it just known that, hey, you know, this is something that happens to everyone. And of course I have to, or it can happen to everyone, excuse me. And I should just take him somewhere else. Like, what is that like being a psychiatrist? Well, you know, it, it's a good question because I always wonder if, um, if there was one particular symptom that he had that made me think there's got to be something else going on. And the symptom was that he could no longer read. Uh, he went from uh, a person who had this photographic memory, could read very, very fast, faster than most people, and retain it. And he suddenly couldn't read. Like, what? <laughs> like, that's not typical. You don't see that with, a, right. you know, with it from as a psychiatrist. And it's like, but nobody could tell me why. And it's like, there's some reason this is happening. Something's going on here. And I, and I always wonder to this day, if that symptom wasn't there, I wonder if I would have just said, okay, well, you know, my, I have a family history of mental illness. My mother had issues. Um, my, my husband's family has a family history of depression and anxiety. I guess this is it, you know, it's come passed down to my children and, He's the first one, you know, you know, so it, it, I, it was that particular symptom that drove me to keep searching that there's something else going on here. Sure. And, and as I learned more and more about looking for root causes, I realized that he wasn't actually healthy. You know, he had chronic constipation from the age of one to two years old and he had severe eczema to the point where his hands looked like they were reptiles, reptilian. And he, we would joke with him that he was part dinosaur because he was so into dinosaurs. At oh my four, gosh. You know, so, and he would sit on the toilet when he, the constipation was so bad that he would sit on the toilet like a bird with his feet up on the seat to allow him to have 
you know, a bowel movement. And, you know, we would spend an hour waiting for him because he would go to the bathroom when we were at, you know, Disney World or at a restaurant. It's like before we asked the check to come, you know, from the, you know, for the table when we're at a restaurant, we'd say, you know, you need to go, go to the bathroom now. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> we know we're going to wait for him. And that was just part of life. We thought that that was just him. And, uh, and, you know, when, when we started uh, treatment with him, uh, with Dr. Levitan, uh, for him, it, those were the things that cleared up the fastest, you know, like within the first month, and this was all just dietary changes, just within the first month, the, the eczema and the um, constipation cleared up. And it was just from changing the diet, which was amazing. And that was also uh, what gave him buy-in to keep doing, uh, the, you know, working on the functional medicine um, protocol because it's work, <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to make changes. But when he saw that himself, he continued the process and did everything that Dr. Levitan recommended. And, um, and then it, it did take some time, uh, you know, the brain is much more sensitive, uh, than other organs. And, you know, there's the software and the hardware <laughs> going on. And so it's, it really is, it takes time to see a change in mood and anxiety and sleep with some work. And, uh, but those cleared up as well. And he was able to come off of all of his medications by a year's end. So, um, but it really required dedication on his part. Absolutely. And this, I love everything about this story because I can relate to a lot of this. I don't think everyone on this podcast knows this necessarily, but not only did I deal with a lot of physical health issues in my life, but my main symptom, and I say main in terms of the one that disrupted me the most and affected my life the most was mental health. You know, I went from just like your son, a really good student doing well in school, like probably above average for sure. And I didn't even finish high school. I couldn't. My mental health got so bad that I just could not do that anymore. And that's not really a good way to live. But another place that we connect that you talked about is these things that we wouldn't even necessarily think of, because especially with a family member, it just happens every day. You're like, okay, that's just something that happens to them. I always had stomach issues. There was a joke, and this is always TMI, but this is what type of podcast we are, so we talk about this <laughs> stuff. My parents got a new toilet upstairs that is still there to this day when I was about eight or nine years old because I clogged the toilet every single day that I went, like an eight-year-old. And you know what? At the time, it's almost like, I don't want to say funny, but it was kind of a joke, right? Like, oh my gosh, Evan has these crazy bowel movements and we need a new toilet because of that. It's like, no, an eight-year-old shouldn't be clogging the toilet because his waist is so large every single day. You know, that's there's got to be something more there. I always had stomach pain and I find the connection between the gut and the brain. We know this in the literature now, but it's almost obvious sometimes. You can kind of see it in a very practical way in people where they clearly have GI symptoms and then they also have these mental health symptoms. So right. when you're going to this doctor originally, because even within the functional space, I think we all do very similar things, but there's a lot of different philosophies. So I'm curious, like, what was this person saying to you, like, hey, this is the issue with your son. Were they just saying, oh, this is because of our modern lifestyle and diet? Like, what was the reasoning behind these symptoms? Did they give one? Well, ultimately, we did find that he had uh, significant food sensitivities um, and celiac disease. So uh, when originally, when we first met with Dr. Levitan, he um, had given us a gluten-free, dairy-free diet, which we did. And he did get better with that in, in many ways, but he also got worse uh, because what do you do when you cut out dairy and gluten? You add other foods in like soy and corn. And uh, so when, when we uh, had gotten some food sensitivity testing back, uh, we found that he was very sensitive to soy. And so then we pulled out all the soy. Uh, he got significantly better. Um, but he was also very nutritionally deficient because all his life, he um, just ate white food, <laughs> pasta, corn, 
um, you know, uh, milk, dairy, like every, anything that was white. He didn't eat very many vegetables. His The only vegetable he would eat would be broccoli. And so it was a huge undertaking to change um, his diet around so that he could, you know, as you know, food is poison and food is also medicine. So uh, adding in all of the vegetables um, and, you know, that was effort. But like I said, he was determined uh, to to do what needed to be done just because of the initial changes. Um, and uh, ultimately, uh, he did start eating. Um, actually, he eats a, because this is what, 10 years ago, he eats a keto, paleo ketogenic diet and is gluten, soy and dairy free still to this day. But he eats a lot more vegetables now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that that was part of it. Um, then, you know, we did testing uh, to see what was going on in the gut, um, you know, just because of the significant constipation. Um, and it was, uh, you know, replacing a lot of the nutrients that were missing in his diet. Yeah. He actually uh, tore his... Uh, shoulder playing badminton and um when when the surgeon um came out to tell us after the surgery was done he said his tissue his the 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 tissue around the shoulder um was like paper it wasn't it was so so i i attribute that to like malnutrition (laughs) really uh, because of the years of not eating appropriate foods and, you know, as a parent, you know, you feel guilty, like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> you know, like you don't really realize, you know, I didn't I didn't have this idea as a traditional uh, doctor that, wow, you know, food really is medicine. <laughs> it, really, yes. it really is the matrix of what you become. You are what you truly eat. And, you know, that's what his uh, makeup was, is was these it's made up of pasta, yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> pasta and milk every day. <laughs> and that's just not a great combination for anyone, let alone for someone with celiacs. Because, you know, for those that don't know, um, just to tell them real quick, we had a wonderful episode, by the way, in one of our earlier episodes, I think maybe three or four with Whitney Morgan. And she is a celiacs guru, non-celiacs gluten sensitivity guru. Definitely check that out. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking today about this mental health connection, the problem with something like celiacs is it presents many times as neurological problems or skin problems or literally anything else other than GI things. Although, of course, as clearly was the case here, uh, your son had GI problems, right? But these people get this malabsorption. And if you have malabsorption and you're already not eating you know, necessarily a great diet, well, how are your neurotransmitters going to be produced? Exactly. <laughs> and it's not yeah. going to be looking so good. So I'm sure – well, I shouldn't say I'm sure. Like You said it took well over – you know, it wasn't just an overnight thing. It took like a year to really get back to where he needed to be and get off those medications. Absolutely. Yeah. It took about a year um, to do that. And uh, it took what we learned or what we realized is um, that uh, he couldn't read because he had double vision. And when he would accommodate, it would be, it would give him lots of headaches so that actually got better over time. It took a few years. And what I'm putting together that really what happened is that the gluten or these food sensitivities caused his, um, the, the cranial nerves of his eyes to not function properly. It inflamed hmm. the cranial nerves of his eyes. And he had already had some issues with vision uh, because he was one of those kids that had those thick glasses, you know, his vision wasn't the best. So accommodation became an issue and that's why he couldn't read anymore. I mean, it was so bad that we had, uh, fortunately this, the high school that he went to um, was uh, they had all the textbooks on a CD so he can listen to the books as opposed to reading them. And the other books we would read to him basically that weren't available on CD, but that's, that's how bad it was. I mean, he okay. just couldn't read at all, uh, but that did get better uh, over time. And uh, it, it, as that got better, I was, you know, teaching him how to drive. And it was at that point where I realized that this was an accommodation issue or a double vision issue. 
uh, was when he asked me which line he was supposed to follow when he drove. It's like, um, there's just one line. Oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's like, no wonder you're overturning or underturning. It's like, you don't really even see where where the curb is because you're, you're it's different in your visual field. So it actually took him two years to get his driver's license because of that. And that's when all the pieces kind of came together. But it did take another couple of years for his vision to get better so that he could actually drive and get his license. Sure. And I think this should be looked at as a message of actually inspiration rather than like, oh man, it takes that long. Guys, it's the fact that it can even be done that matters, you know, because for someone with celiac, you know, from I'm trying to pick up the timeline of this story, it sounds like this wasn't even identified until what, approximately like 14 to 16 years old. Is that correct? Uh, probably. Yes. I would say, well, yeah, I'm thinking he, yeah, it was about 14 to 16. Yeah. Okay, great. So we have someone here that's been dealing with a very serious disease, probably from pretty early on, most likely, you know, and the gut's been being attacked. It takes time to heal. So it makes sense. And I would always look at messages like this as, Hey, that is great that if I do give enough time and I put enough effort in, this is going to work. And that's what we want to focus on because I think a lot of people would get discouraged if they think, oh, it's not working after a year. It's like, it might take a little while for the body to heal, but it always does it in the end. That's what I've seen at least. Right. You just got to do the right thing long enough. So right. um, tra- transitioning a little bit, did you like, was this really the stepping stone that got you passionate about functional medicine? Because obviously now you are a functional medicine practitioner. You didn't have to choose that. You could have just said, oh, that was really cool what they did with my son. And that's that. Was this the thing that motivated you to kind of add this into your educational, um, oh, I guess, educational absolutely. background? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all along, I, I'm one of those people that really digs deep already, even as a traditional doctor, looking for details, trying to figure out, well, why is that working? What's wrong? What's going on here? Why is this happening? And uh, when, like, again, once I saw what, what could, what could change, looking for root causes and having, uh, you know, plans to be able to address root causes, I asked to join the practice. It's like, you can't unknow these stuff and you can't, how can you turn your back on that? You know, so I, you know, and I, like I said, I left my really cushy job <laughs> to go, you know, to, uh, you know, join this practice and, uh, do all the, uh, coursework for, through the I, through the IFM, the Institute for Functional Medicine. I got certified and it's what I do because I just know that this is the right way to really address health. Um, it's not for everyone. I mean, certainly you have to be in a, in a, in a, in a place where you can do the work and some people, can be potentially very sick sometimes that they are not able to implement, but there's once you can stabilize them. So I still prescribe medications when it's absolutely necessary, but knowing nowhere near the amount of medication that I used to, you know, so I, I stabilize people and then I, we look for root causes and then we get them off the medications. That's basically what I do in the same way that this happened with my son. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, for me, I think it's the all, it's the way people should be treated. But you have to meet people where they're where they are, and not everyone is able to have the means uh, to be able to do things. But getting them so starting with where they are and moving them in that direction with little, you know, little bits. You know, so some people take longer than others, and you know, but it's amazing how much people can change just by changing their diet. But people Correct. can change just by implementing uh, a really good movement program. I, I, I do it for, for some people within five months. And uh, it, it, is, um, it's, it is sometimes a miracle for people. And, but we can't necessarily predict what are the, all the drivers. You, sometimes you have to keep searching and looking for them and, and uncovering through the history and, you know, uh, uh, it's, it is going back to the history. It's like, you know, I feel like there's something else going on. Let's talk about this again. And, and really looking for all of the puzzle pieces that might be playing a part. Um, Absolutely. Well, I, you know, as tough as it is to hear the initial parts of these stories, because I, especially when I relate to the conditions directly, it's like, okay, well, 
I know how bad this sucks. It is always amazing to see the other side and watch someone be like, okay, not only am I going to do this for my son and my family, but I'm going to go help others with this as well. And you got one heck of a bio and background. So, you know, I would have been lucky to have someone like you um, in my life when I was dealing with the midst of my stuff, because there is just so many angles that you can address for the individual. And I love how neutral you are with, or I should say objective, actually, because it's not a neutrality thing. It's being objective, in my opinion, with, hey, some people need the medication, especially maybe for some time, but we can work on other things at the same time. I don't know why this has gotten to an argument and debate in society of being one or the other. If you are a psychiatrist with 100 patients a month and you prescribe every single one medication, or you are a holistic person, and let's say you do have the doctor background, and you're not prescribing medication even once a month seeing the same 100 people, I think both are equally as reckless. There's got to be a middle ground. Some people are going to need certain things. If the person's having a panic attack every single day while they're in school or at work, no, I'm not going to say, oh, listen, just bear with it and go gluten-free. Here's a benzodiazepine for 30 to 60 days while we get this stuff under control. You know, I think that's totally appropriate. I don't think that's ridiculous. Um, certainly, the stress from the panic attack is going to do more damage on their body than 30 to 60 days of some low-dose Xanax or whatever, I would think at least. Oh. Um, so I just I, – I want to – this world to be more like you in medicine, where we just have the best of both worlds type of thing. And it leads to the best clinical outcomes, I think, for patients and clients. Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, if somebody is so depressed, that they're suicidal, and, and they have all of this negative um, uh, cognition, that's constantly putting themselves down, or, or, you know, just don't have the energy to move and can't sleep at night, you know, you sometimes you, or even psychotic. I mean, there are some, I have had patients who come to my office, you know, in a psychotic state. And it's like, you have to treat the acute symptoms to get them comfortable because there's no way they're going to be able to do anything to help themselves if they can't function and they're, and they're in, in acute distress. So it's very important to, and that's, that's, the standard of care is so you have to i would be negligent if i ignored that and said oh you know go find somebody else you know yes. i i would have to stay it's my duty to stabilize you and and treat you and sometimes medications are the only thing in certain situations you know that and nothing else will work you can't because the the functional medicine approach does work but it's it's a chronic it's a chronic these are chronic symptoms and chronic improvements, like not chronic improvements, but slower improvements. It's not an overnight thing where sometimes medications can really shut down symptoms like overnight. Yes. <laughs> you know, especially psychosis. I mean, you can shut it down overnight sometimes. And uh, it, it obviously it's dependent on the person, but uh, but that medications can be very powerful. But then, then it is getting them to a place and encouraging them to start moving forward in figuring out, well, what happened here? What and, and it's not just the biological or the physiology, but it's also the psychological. What triggered this? So, you know, it is looking at the biology, the psychology, the social aspects, and also the root causes. It's all of those uh, at all at the same time. So I do, you, you know, I, it, it just expands my my tool bag of, of helping people. And I do psychotherapy as well. Um, and <laughs> you know, I use psychotherapy as a diagnostic tool too. And, but I also have patients that see me just for psychotherapy and nothing else. And so it's, it's been nice having a variety of patients. It, you know, keeps me, I'm always on my toes and in so many different realms. <laughs> yeah. I doubt you have a very boring day in practice. I'm going to guess that for sure. <laughs> yeah. I love my patients. I love my job. I love, I love doing this work. Um, uh, yeah, that, and that's very obvious and it comes across. So very cool. When you, you and I were talking beforehand, I know that eventually this functional medicine stuff actually led to maybe addressing some of your own health issues. I know we had talked about Hashimoto's and guys, this was off the air type of stuff. So I am curious, you know, and we don't necessarily have to go in as much depth there if you don't want, but I am interested, like, when is the point where you're realizing, oh, wait a second, maybe I have some stuff going on too, and the same functional medicine principles could kind of work here? I'm interested in this. 
Oh, sure. I mean, I was, I was somebody who just had, I had significant allergies, um, allergic to dust and, um, you know, all the seasonal stuff. I was literally on five medications just for, um, my sinus issues and, you know, uh, eczema and allergies, um, taking, uh, inhalers and antihistamines for years. But, and that was just something that was just since I was in college. And then when I had my third child, um, so postpartum, I had uh, a Hashimoto's thyroid storm, which is like being on a major roller coaster <laughs> and, uh, and also Epstein-Barr virus. So it was like, to me, it was the triple whammy. I felt like a train hit me. It was the first time in my life where I actually had to take a medical leave. My doctor forced me to take a medical leave because I uh, had just started a job and I just couldn't function. And uh, so she made me take a couple weeks out. And uh, but it took me a while to come out of that and get back to functioning. And uh, but then you know once things stabilized. I, I didn't know until I learned functional medicine, like there are things that I can do to make my health state better. I mean, so I was on medications like for the thyroid, all of those, all of those medications for my allergies, but also the thyroid medication, a pretty high dose at very high antibodies over 3000. And the I antibodies no were over 3000. My antibodies were over 3000. Wow. Years. For you. I don't think I've ever heard. I've seen some numbers. That is insane. It is. It is. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, but I, no one told me, you know, that you could do something about it. It's amazing how many people have high antibodies, but their thyroid is normal, like, but that you can actually do something about it. So you don't have a thyroid storm. Nobody told me that. And so, you know, as you learn these things, you learn about functional medicine, you learn like, oh, 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 like, you know, that applies to me too. That applies to me too. And so you start making changes. So I did my own testing, you know, get the stool test and the organic acid test and food sensitivity testing. You start testing yourself and making changes in your own diet, making changes in your own habits. And uh, so I'm off of all of those antihistamines. I was on an antidepressant for about 10 years. And uh, I found the right time where I felt most comfortable to taper myself off. And I did fine with that. I actually gained five pounds because I was on Wellbutrin and that usually takes your appetite away. I actually lost weight on Wellbutrin. So when I stopped that, I gained five pounds. <laughs> that wasn't so great, but I was happy to be off of the medication. I had no problems with that. And um, so the only medication I take is, is Synthroid and, um, and my dose of Synthroid because of all the changes that I made has come down from 200 micrograms a day to about a hundred micro, it is a hundred micrograms a day. So, and I haven't been able to get lower than that, but I feel great. Yeah. Very cool. And I'm sure over time, I mean, I think anything's possible when we're in this space and we keep working on it because I know a lot of people out there that our specific audience might not understand the significance of your thyroid um, antibody comment offhand. Right. That's serious numbers. You know, we're talking about taking time to heal. That's going to take some time to heal, um, probably years, you know, so right. Um, right. fair enough. Now, yeah, my antibodies are like below 60 now, I'm pretty sure. So, awesome. yeah, they're, it's pretty much close to normal. Yeah. I've not had any issues with my thyroid. And I'm pretty healthy, pretty high functioning. And, uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, one of my favorite things to do is we interview a lot of FDN practitioners on here, and it's very standard when you go through the course or the FDN Thrive program even to run several labs. And we always run the same ones initially, and then if we need additional ones in those certain cases, we'll go there. So I think it's fun because it leads down to some you know, interesting topics. You had kind of mentioned an organic acids test for yourself. Now, mm -hmm. that is one that I am learning about and I believe to be pretty useful for honestly many types of people with chronic illness, but especially those suffering with mental health type symptoms. What is, even if it's not the organic acids test, do you have a favorite functional test for people with mental health issues? And I know everyone's bio-individualized, so I don't want to uh, make it, I don't want to force you into a blanket statement here, but if there is one that you could like pick, was is there one that you'd pick for just about every client? 
Uh, yes, the GI map is what I like to do in terms of a stool test. I would say 99% of my patients, um, I get a stool test. And if it's the 1% that doesn't, it's because they came to me <laughs> with results of a stool test. So, uh, and it's usually, usually it's uh, Genova's GI effects. Um, I, I prefer the GI map uh, because I like uh, the intestinal health, but also I feel like it's a better test for parasites and worms and, and also H. pylori. So um, my second favorite would be the organic Great Plains Labs organic acid test. And I think the gem of that part of that test is the first page for the um, uh, yeast and fungal markers and clostridium markers. There really is not uh, a, any other test for the clostridia piece. So you could get the microbial organic acid test and not, not the whole organic acid test. Um, the whole test is very, you know, can be a little uh, hefty on the pocket, but the, org but the gem is the microbial piece, specifically because it's hard to find yeast and other fungal markers picked up on the stool test. Uh, because they do release certain metabolites, it really shows up if it's there um, quite well on um, the moat microbial organic acid test. And the clostridium markers are, if they are elevated, that in particular is really important to know because one, you would treat that very differently. And two, um, it's can, uh, the, and the reason you would treat it differently is because clostridia um, releases spores. So there's a type of treatment where you provide the antimicrobial, but then you will need to follow it up with pulsing uh, every three days to get the spores. And so you can't assume that you've gotten all of the microbes when if you just go by the stool test, um, it doesn't really show up that way. But there's certain metabolites, um, HPHPA and 4-creosol, um, that actually inhibit this enzyme called uh, dopamine beta hydroxylase, and it prevents the conversion of dopamine to norepinephrine. And so you can actually cause psychosis with an increase of do dopamine building up and not being metabolized. And it's clostridia that actually um, makes these, um, these um, metabolites that then inhibit uh, dopamine beta hydroxylase. So if when, if and when you find these um, this clostridia and these metabolites, you can actually treat them and make more stabilize um, you know stabilize this conversion, and uh, you can actually resolve psychosis if this is one of the root causes. So there's you know multiple root causes of psychosis. This is just one, and if you can find that and and uh, fix that, <laughs> then you know you can actually you know, make psychosis go away. I actually had a patient who had um, this uh, on his oat test and I was trying to figure out, well, what happened? And uh, years just before he started having psychosis about six months before, he actually had a, a wisdom, his wisdom teeth extracted and he was given some pain medication, which caused him to throw up and infected the wisdom teeth. And he was then given antibiotics and antibiotics can result in C. diff infections for certain people. And that probably caused a dysbiosis in his gut resulting in, you know, these um, metabolites or enzymes uh, causing this, you know, inhibition of the, of this dopamine beta hydroxylase. So that's how we finally put it together in terms of why did he get the psychosis? Cause it was not in his family history just the way it happened, it was odd. It was, it was, you know, sometimes you can get a sense like something else is going on, especially when you see people over and over again with similar symptoms, like something else is yes. going on. just digging and digging and digging. And so finally he remembered, oh yeah, that's right. You know, sometimes people don't even remember the things that happened to them that kind of was the thing that started, uh, started this whole process, you know. And he finally remembered, that's right. I had my wisdom trees extracted. It made me throw up. 
<laughs> Good detective work there because I, I find that that happens so often. And it's not because the people are like intentionally not mentioning stuff. They just don't even register what we would register as important on an intake form or during like an interview or whatever. They're just not right. even thinking about it as something that would matter. And in fairness, yeah, I mean, that's a tough yeah. one. Like that's yeah. good detective work, like I said, for sure. So, yeah. I mean, it's amazing what people, like I was speaking to someone the other day and he, you know, I put all everyone's history on a timeline. And so when you see things starting and it's all bunching up on a timeline. So, you know, what happened six months before this? Did you ever have like this jolt to your body? He goes, oh, yeah, I had a ski accident <laughs> and I fractured my shoulder and my knee. But he goes, but they healed up fine. I said, well, they healed up. But your gut was shocked and everything stopped. (laughs) And that's what started this anxiety. He's had all this anxiety. Like it came out of the blue. He'd never had anxiety before. And it's like suddenly it's like it's because your, your, you know, your gut was shocked and your vagus nerve got, you know. Absolutely. (laughs) I always like to leave people with a golden nugget. And I think I hope people recognize the significance of the clostridia mentioned because That is all these different bugs that we test for or look at, whether it's Candida, whether it's H. pylori, whether it's Clostridia, they fundamentally can do some similar things, but then they all have their own unique little fun mechanisms where they can really wreak havoc on someone. And Clostridia is a nasty one. I've only broken out the organic acids test a few times. It's always been on people with very long-term, notably challenging mental health issues. And Achina, every single time those indicators for Clostridia were through the roof. It was mm-hmm. so clear that that was a part of their story. And let's be honest, I mean, it wasn't just that. There was other things going on as well. There's the yeast markers, whatever. Sure. Um, and I'm just like, wow, like this person, it, you know, obviously I can't give too much detail here, but one of the people I was talking to, this is someone who has a family and has tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And it's like, was that even them like doing that, you know? Right, right. Um, to what degree do these blugs play a role? And it's it's pretty scary stuff. So, you know, we don't want to be in, uh, scared. We want to be empowered. And I think knowing that we have these types of things is awesome. I also find it fascinating that this incredibly well-educated woman who's been doing this forever, doctor, all these things, says the number one test that she would run on someone with mental health challenges is a stool test. I think that speaks volumes to our friends out there that are dealing with these things. I definitely would pay attention to that. So we got about 10 minutes left in the recording, and I want to get to just three more quick things. One, and maybe this was Um, I don't know if that was just coincidence that you're bringing up that story, or maybe this story would be used for this question, but I think it's always powerful for people to hear about client successes because they want to know that I can do it too, right? It's easy to say, oh, well, if I was Achina's son, I'm sure I could figure this out. Or if I was actually her, I'm sure I could do this, but I could never do this. And that's just not the truth. That's what we are trained to do. We're able to bring this to people in a way that's digestible, no pun intended, and that can actually still allow them to live a half decent life. So I would love to hear about like one of your favorite client success stories where maybe they came to you, they're at the end of their rope, and after working with you, it just turned things around. Oh, yeah, I, I can tell you lots of stories. I always do a happy dance <laughs> whenever I, whenever one of my patients uh, does well in, in, in this process. Um, so, yeah, I had a patient. Um, uh, a, I, I'm not going to give details, but um, basically she, she has, had had panic attacks with agoraphobia to the extent of being agoraphobic for a number of years and, um, was, uh, able to, uh, do the, you know, my protocol basically. And it's, it's essentially, you know, the, um, doing the, getting all of the history and then putting it all on a timeline and trying to figure out what all the triggers are. But, you know, it's essentially looking at, uh, the diet, changing the diet, uh, looking at the gut, um, replacing what's you know missing in in the body and re-inoculating the gut microbiome and then repairing the gut lining it's basically the five r's of gut restoration and uh she was able to uh do this actually pretty quickly she's one of the fastest uh responses 
uh, everybody is, is different in terms of how quickly they respond. And, and it may not necessarily be their effort. It might be that's just where their body is. Um, but within four months, she was able to get all of her symptoms under control and was able to come off of two medications. Uh, one of them, which is pretty hard, is Xanax, something that she had taken for years and uh, an antidepressant, which she found that didn't work at all for her. It was just something that was added because, you know, sometimes we add medications because we don't know what else to do if you're a traditional doctor. And she didn't find any benefit from that. But that was that um, Zoloft was easy to taper and discontinue. It was the Xanax that she was most frightened about coming off of and was able to taper and discontinue that. So um, and she had suffered for years with panic attacks uh, with agoraphobia. And, and she was able to see how much had changed just by doing all of the, all, you know, following my protocol and see that, wow, it's not the medication that did it. It's me that did it, that by changing the diet and taking supplements and doing the testing and getting an exercise routine in and really doing stress reduction with meditations, et cetera, uh, then it, what it does is, because I always tell my patients, don't change any of your medications. We'll look at that afterwards. And, but it gives you the confidence to come off the medications because you see that there was no change in the medication and yet you got better. So Because a lot of times people want to come off medications, but they just don't have the confidence because they've tried in the past and always had failed. But then once you actually see that you're feeling so great um, doing um, these things that I recommend, then they are ha- they can easily some easier than others be able to taper and discontinue these medications. I find benzodiazepines the hardest to taper. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. I I often have to compound the medications in order to help people uh, taper off them, and it could take a year, it can take a couple years, depending on the dosages that they're on. But for her. It really wasn't that hard. Um, Just happened to be her, you know? So, yeah, it's, and it's, she felt it was a miracle. She couldn't believe it, you know? I was just about to say, I mean, that's how it appears when you hear this type of stuff. And as someone, I mean, what a perfect story because I definitely can relate to this personally. The benzodiazepines, for someone who's been through this stuff, I I hate saying this publicly almost because it's just, I think it gives the wrong impression to someone. But, Guys, as someone who went through anxiety for over a decade without getting help, when I took Xanax for the first time, it was not prescribed. I fully admit that. I was never someone that was like, you know, big on drugs or something like that. I hated drinking even. I took that. I was literally the feeling and thought that I had is like, I understand why people are addicted to drugs. It was the best feeling in the world, not because Xanax is even euphoric. It has no euphoric properties like something like a MDMA might have. It's just because I felt so bad that having that symptom taken away was the best thing ever. So for you to be able to give that to someone without that drug, I mean, that's yeah, that is a miracle and that's freeing. I mean, you change their life, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like I said, some people take long, I would say that out of everyone that I've treated, she was the fastest, (laughs) you know, so, but everyone has a, uh, you know, a different, different path in getting their health back. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It always makes me feel really good too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every single one's fun. Like I said, I get up, I literally get up and I do a happy dance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if people are loving what you're saying and they're like, wow, I definitely resonate with this doc. I mean, where can people find you and what is it exactly that you offer? Because I know that you have, you know, a program and I don't want to speak for you. I know that there's probably a couple things here. So please tell us about all of it. Oh, sure. And, you know, I just want to add, I just want to make sure people understand that they really should do this with a provider. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be me or or a psychiatrist, but they should really work with a provider when you're doing anything that it, that we've discussed and not to do this, you know, make sure you're finding someone um, that is well-versed in, in this kind of work. Um, but if you wanted to work with me, you could see me in person at my private practice at uh, Functional Mind LLC, which is in Riverside, Rhode Island. Uh, I live in Rhode Island. 
Um, but there are a lot of people who do want to work with me that can't come here. And it's been COVID uh, has been the major reason. I do have people who do fly out to see me. But I, because of that, because of COVID and because of, you know, the, the um, issues of uh, travel and the cost of travel, I have, um, I'm actually launching next week a, a 12-week online group health coaching program that is a companion program to my book called What If It's Not Depression, which I launched a year ago. Um, and the audiobook actually came out just a couple weeks ago. So those are both available on Amazon.com if you're interested. But you could also go to my website, which is www.achinasteindo.com, and you can download my book for free. And uh, you can contact me uh, through my website to uh, book a consultation to discuss whether or not you are appropriate for my program. So the online program or even coming to see me in person. Awesome. And of course, as always, my friends, that will all be in the show notes. So it is now time for our signature question and our ending question of the show, my favorite one. And Again, I know we actually said this once coincidentally uh, during this show, but as functional practitioners, we understand that everything is bio-individualized and one thing that works for someone might not work for someone else. So with that disclaimed, I'd just like you to humor me. If Dr. Gina Stein had a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to engage in one health habit, or you could get everyone to stop doing one thing, what is that thing you would get everyone to do or stop doing? I would get them to dance. <laughs> I would get them to dance because you can do so much with movement and dancing is fun. And uh, it's, it, it is a way to get your body moving with music. And when you move your muscles, you are causing lymph drainage. Um, you're increasing your uh, your um, oxygen um, production and, and exchange and, you know, in, in inflating those lungs with movement and you're having fun all at the same time. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, that's a unique answer. And hey, I think we could all use a little more dancing in our lives, especially after this year of being cooped up due to the pandemic. We'd like to thank you again, Achina, for coming on. The world definitely needs more doctors like you. And thank you for listening to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. My name is Fallon Morningstar, and I'm your temporary fill-in for Health Coach Ev, who will hopefully be back in action soon. If you enjoy our show, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This makes sure more people know that this information even exists, as all too many people don't know that many things talked about today are even an option. We appreciate your support, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to FDNThrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's FDNThrive.com.